podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Still Giggs goes. He's through. He scored. Ryan Giggs. He's at the goal that's played for Manchester United. Right footed. It's a clear header. And they're going to do that. Soccer has won the European Cup for Manchester United. Hello and welcome to the first Shreddy cast of the season. You probably haven't heard from us in a while because we either got lazy or busy with blog work. Um, I'm joined with Mike, who you'll be familiar from from last season. How are you, Mike? I'm good, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Excited to be back on the podcast. I am. I am. It's good to get it going again. Um, it's a nice addition to the website. and We've been doing really, really pushing hard so far this season to get content out every single day. So... You know, this is going to be a big thing for us this season. Absolutely, and Philip, you're new to the podcast and you're new to the blog this season. Uh, give us a bit of an introduction. Hi, yeah, um, I'm I'm a Manchester United fan for the last probably 25 years, uh, living in Cork. Um, I just recently uh, finished off my masters in journalism, so um, I wanted to combine the two uh, the two things that I do the most in terms of following football and in terms of writing. So. Um, I felt this was probably the best way to get involved in it and you know it seems to be um, coming across really well a lot of people all the, all the lads uh, seem to have differing opinions on different issues but uh, we can all respect each other and that's the most important thing at the end of the day yeah absolutely we'll have to get Martin on at some point um, to argue in Rooney's corner but we'll be talking about Rooney in this one too so um before before we jump into the topics today, um, because you weren't on the podcast last season, Philip, and, and we went into great detail discussing Louis van Gaal's boring football, um, what have you made of the transition so far from Louis van Gaal's dire displays to what has been kind of brief of Rooney so, or Mourinho so far? Well, it's definitely a more direct style of football. Um, uh Jose Mourinho has always been renowned, I suppose, uh, be it Porto, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Inter Milan. He goes, uh, it's kind of, he takes, it's very clinical football, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no kind of, um, why have why have 20 passes when you can have two passes? Mm. Um, I suppose total opposite, uh, not total opposite, but when you watch Pep Guardiola at times, it, it, he really takes the, takes the, it's not long yes. ball football for the sake of uh, playing long balls, but it's perhaps more direct passing. It's kind of um, passing in a higher area of the pitch, and it's more uh, decisive passing. Yeah, no one's suggesting he's the Portuguese Tony Pulis. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I know uh, Louis van Gaal was uh, accused of being uh, Tony Pulis last year, though, wasn't he? There was a few comparisons made that obviously someone with a European Cup um, with Ajax and, and several league titles at, at clubs like Brit- or Bayern Munich and, and Barcelona, you're, you're going to rub it off your shoulder a small bit. But in, in terms of football, and you, you can only really um, rate a manager on their last job. Um, every job is different and, and Louis van Gaal was not a success at Manchester United and I think 
that was um it's evident that even after an FA Cup um triumph the club were very very quick to get rid of, rid of him I think it was broken hour after he won the the FA Cup um and it was only a matter of time before Jose Mourinho was brought in and I think we were predicting that last Christmas after he got the sack with, with Chelsea. Um, there was ongoing discussions. The Van Gaal apparently didn't know much about. But look, uh, I think we've seen a lot enough this week in the media with Sam Allardyce. What a manager and what football personalities say to the press is often very, very different to what's been said behind closed doors. Um, so getting to the first topic, obviously this is the first podcast of the season. Um, we've missed a few weeks and I suppose at the start of the season people were a bit giddy, we were beating teams and we were scoring goals in the first half that we weren't doing last season and then we had a slump of three defeats in the space of one week the Manchester Derby uh, the initial Europa League clash against Feyenoord and um, Watford in the league and then last week a convincing, or the weekend, a convincing win over Leicester with four goals scored in the first half four win, win. Um, it kind of set alarm bells off a small bit. Mike, are the shackles removed or should we still be take each game as they come and be a little bit concerned? I'd still take each game as it comes right now. You have to remember three of those goals came from a complete inability for Leicester City to somehow defend a corner. I mean, they were virtually, I mean, two of the goals are virtually identical. It was absolutely amazing that um, two giant lummoxes that they had at centre-half just couldn't head the ball away or mark somebody in the box. Um, I said a while ago, for the whole game, there was a few alarm bells set off for me in that one. I know Hull had their tails up, but we really should have been beating them quite comfortably, especially when you look at what, say, Liverpool did to them recently this weekend. Um, and we didn't. And then, obviously, we played City and basically conceded the first half. They were much, much quicker and much more mobile than we were. Um, but there's there's plenty of uh, signs for optimism if he sticks um, with keeping Rooney out of the team and keeping people like Herrera and Mata in who can think quick and who can move the ball quickly without necessarily being able to run fast. Um, I think there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of good things for us there because those guys seem to have a better understanding with the new players that come in. When you look at Pogba and Ibrahimovic, they look a lot more comfortable with... With Mata and Herrera, and they did, they did with people like like Rooney, for instance, or, or Fellaini. It just seems to be very cumbersome and just clogging everything up. Philip, a lot was made during the summer when Leicester lost um, their best player from last season, Kante, to Chelsea. Um, and last season, from watching them, the, the times they were terrific defensively, and even Morgan stood out as as a brilliant defender for him. And um, we we our first glimpse of um, Slats Annie Bernovich in, in a competitive game for that it was against Leicester in the Community Shield when he bet Morgan in the air with quite ease with strength and, and many attributes but um, as the season's well, gone on we, we've seen them basically fall asunder without Kante you can, can you put that down just Kante or, or is, is, is there more to it than that was was Morgan basically a, made appear a lot better because of Kante because we've seen Schneider at, at Southampton make kind of a similar role to Fonte and, and Lovren years ago there was a, an interesting statement made by Danny Simpson, the ex of the United fullback, uh, um, after the game. Uh, he admitted that a lot of the issues that Leicester have had on corners in that game was due to the fact that they are now being penalised for pulling players back in the area. Uh, that uh, some of the kind of 
the the uh, tactics that they would perhaps have got away with last season that they weren't able to to enforce that they uh, they were perhaps standing off their uh, player in the case of uh, Pogba or in the case of um, in the, in first half with uh, Chris Smalling mm-hmm. as well like when was the last time that um, when was the last time eight at Leicester City conceded so many um, uh, so many headers in any game and when was the last time that United scored so many from corners mm. oh just... yeah well, like it, it's something that I mentioned on Twitter when, when we scored the initial corner was when was the last time we did score a corner you know um, because some, yeah. I remember someone mentioned on Twitter that we don't score from enough set pieces um, yeah it just Lynn's delivery be... was excellent fantastic Fantastic. Yeah, you have to admit that, yeah. Um, it just seemed to be something that seemed to be neglected under um, under Van Gaal. Uh, for whatever reason, we would hit the ball towards like the first player, and uh, it would be cleared, and that would be it. And we'd probably go another twenty minutes passing the round before eventually we uh, knocked it long and went out of play. But for years and years and years now, United haven't had a good um, corner take. You look back from, from when Nanny was there, Nanny couldn't cross his two legs. He, <laughs> o- over time, you could never beat the first man. And you're thinking as a professional footballer, um, someone taking set piece from Manchester United, beating the first man is, is should be easy. And maybe sometimes, you, you, you know, you make a mistake. But it, it was with him, it was over and over again. And you're kind of thinking... Ferguson, are you going to change your corner taker, or is it just going to continue? Because a corner is a is a goal and scoring opportunity. You know, as we've yeah, seen, uh, we seen at the weekend, and it just it just seems at the times it's wasted. Like we wasted. Like last season, there was a, there was a, who was against when Phil Jones took a corner. You know, that, that's that's yeah, fucking yeah. madness, madness. Yeah, we got, uh, um, I mean, sorry, I was going to say, haven't we got Liverpool coming up quite soon? You were pretty weak on defending corners even Klopp admitted that we could defend corners so we really need to look at that in certain games as a weapon that we can use to hit teams and hit them fast and I mean there's enough of uh, physique in terms of the side um, you've got the likes of Ibrahimovic he's what 6 foot 2 6 foot 3 uh, Pogba's 6 uh, 2 um, Chris Smalling is a tall enough player Like, uh, there's enough of physique in terms of the bigger forwards and the defenders that we should really be making more out of these uh, set plays. Ah, look, absolutely. We just brought in Paul Pogba during the summer. Um, Mourinho started the season with playing Fellaini, small and a tall player, Bali as well. And these are these are players that are targets inside the box for corners. And as you mentioned, Philip, you should be making the most of it. Um, so just to get that um, conclusion from you, Philip, are shackles off or? going into this game in week against the Ukrainian side who I'm not even going to try to pronounce um, should we take each you, game as it comes to you really well I suppose the thing is like you have to consider that for the first 20 minutes United were still pretty poor um, there was no kind of inclination as to the fact that they were going to score uh, four goals let alone one goal um, up until the point that Chris Smalling got the header and then it just seemed to transfer everything and um, the the whole atmosphere seemed to change up until that point they were as lethargic as what they were against uh, Feyenoord and against uh, Watford and Northampton at times as well so and perhaps I suppose in the second half there was no um, 
the I suppose the easing off was natural, but there was um, teams in the past under Ferguson perhaps would have gone straight for the juggler and got and maybe another one or two as well. Like, yeah, I think that's that's, so that's, that's something you can, you got when you when you're watching United and you've seen the last three years of Moyes and um, Van Gaal. At times, you just kind of—I was saying at half time the other day, just really stick the knife in. Now I know it's four nil, um, but continuing really smashless, you know, and it gave everyone a, a sign of it, a sign of things to come. Because after the week we had, some people were saying, "I'll take this player off and make sure he doesn't get injured." Um, no, keep going. Yeah, definitely. Like I mean, does um, it send out a signal of intent? Like show that uh, you are show that you are serious about uh, challenging for at least the top four and if not the title. No, and, absolutely. Um, and even better if it's against uh, the reigning champions. I know um, perhaps their crown might have slightly slipped at the start of the season, but um, they still are the the champions of England and they will be up until the end of the season. Exactly, you can't take that away from after last season. Um, Comfortable champions as well. When you think, yeah, about it. Oh, they, they say they, oh, was it two or three games to spare or something like that? They finished top by eight or ten points or something like that. So uh, you can't say that they didn't deserve it. No, most certainly can't. Um, we're going to move on to Rooney. I think it's one of the biggest topics so far this season. Which, as is the first podcast, we can't ignore it. Um, it's a shame we haven't got. Martin here to defend his corner, or, or is it a shame, Mike? <laughs> uh, I'm sure it'd be interesting. I still don't know whether Martin's just defending him as a wind up for every, just a wind up to everyone yet. Devil's advocate. Yeah, he's just doing some well, like Stuart Lee or Andy Kaufman type thing where he's just deliberately taking the opposite position to everybody else. For people that don't know or on about, if you if you read some of Martin's um, recent pieces in the blog. He's offered a, a, a different perspective on Wayne Rooney. Um, if you're a fan of Wayne Rooney, you'll agree with Mike, or Martin, I mean. And if you're a fan of Wayne Rooney again, you will not agree with Mike. <laughs> um, Philip Rooney, get a start on it. Is he a player that should be in the start 11th Manchester United as captain, or is it time to cut cards and drop him? I, well, I... The captain, the captaincy status shouldn't guarantee a player a starting position just because. I mean, you saw uh, towards the end of Brian Robson's reign, he was he was club captain, but in the 92-93 season and 93-94, he wasn't starting as many games as what he would have been, but he was still club captain. Uh, his status kind of allowed for what he had done for the club um, he was still captain, but uh, he was being overtaken by players like Ince and Keane and uh, players like that. But um, he was no longer afforded, I suppose, because of uh, because of time and because of injuries. He wasn't he wasn't automatic first choice, and I don't think a captain should be a first choice if you're not in the right uh, state of fitness and if you're in the right not in the right form. No, I don't. Uh, because of the fact that you've got so many competitions, uh, because of the fact that the club could play maybe 50 or 60 games in the season, I think that there are opportunities for Rooney to play. Um, I don't think Ibrahimovic is going to be able to play 
60 odd games uh, as a 34 year old not by any stretch of the imagination so be it the Cups be it Europa League um, certainly there are opportunities for Rooney to, to play and to stake a claim Just something you touched on there regarding Slatan Ibrahimovic being 34 I think he's 35 soon um, something I've looked at and I think it was Kevin Kilban mentioned on a radio show off the ball which you should be familiar with Philip being recorded yeah. here in Ireland yeah yeah um, he compared two players and not players on attributes or ability but he looked at Premier League players he looked at Wayne Rooney and looked at um, Garrett Barry you know, can't think what age Garrett Barry is he's in his mid to late 30s 35 35 and he looked at two of these players Rooney's 30 and he looked at Rooney kind of saying that our both players when they came onto the scene started fairly young um, had massive potential to go on and do big things um, and he basically said he didn't really agree with the whole thing of being overplayed from a young age and that affecting your later career. He put, puts it more so down to looking after yourself throughout your career. And he looks at Rooney and sees someone that is playing like a 35-year-old. Um, and there's always been issues with Wayne Rooney coming back from, from pre-season, or coming back to pre-season tour with Ferguson with fitness and stuff. Um, claims that he, he's a frequent smoker. And different things, and that to me, like that's not a footballer who looks after himself. Um, Mike, are, are these things that would you agree with what Kevin Kilbane was saying about this, or do you agree that, or would you argue, playing so often from a young age has its effects? It's a little bit of both. I mean, if you speak to anyone who's who's very very well educated in biology and physical fitness, they'd tell you that the body doesn't generally finish growing until it's about twenty two, twenty three. Um, a prime example of somebody who was probably overplayed and may not necessarily have, have, have lived a, a bad life, so will be someone like Theo Walcott. I, I think he's never really recovered from the amount of games he's played before he was 21 years old. But he was about 15, wasn't he, when he went to Arsenal, 15, 16 years old. Um, but there is certainly a lot in what Kilban says about not looking after yourself. I mean, if you, you know... It's not just Ronaldo. There's any number of players you could look at. I mean, Zlatan is a prime example. You know, he's he's going to be turning 35 very soon, but yet he's still, um, albeit he is very economical about how he works on the field. He knows when to go, when to not, and when to drift into space, but he's still very, very fit. I mean, if you look at him, he's in fantastic shape. He's still very strong. And I thought, for me... I just wonder whether there's a bit of a mental thing with Rooney as well, because I watched when I saw him against Northampton, he was running and running and running, and he was trying to do stuff, and it just wasn't happening. And you could just see like he maybe wanted to do something, but it, it just it, it, his body couldn't do it. But I also think his mind just maybe wasn't. Is it a psychological thing? Possibly. Yeah, I don't know. Rooney's a very you know everyone says he's 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 a footballer of a previous generation in the way he plays but he, ha- he, 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 he has the mobility of a forklift exactly because he's you know he's not looked partly because he's not looked after himself but I mean he got a lot of injuries when he was younger as well which hasn't helped you know a lot of uh, muscle and soft yeah, tissue yeah. injuries a lot of broken bones and stuff that has an effect if you get those injuries before you're 23 24 years old that's going to have a long run effect if you get a lot of them but sure like I said, it's a combination of both. If you're not going to look after yourself uh, as an athlete, and, and footballers can get away with a lot more than most other pro athletes. They they really can, you know. But Rooney is, like I said, he's a footballer of a previous generation. You know, when 
footballers would go for a pint after the game and they'd maybe have a smoke on the training ground or they'd do what Joe Spesh used to do where he'd turn up half cut and still skin everybody in training. You know, you just can't do that anymore. You, you're going to get caught out. You know, if you've got the gifts that really had, you can get away with it for a while. And But you saw when he hit about 26, that was when he started to slide. And that was when he just couldn't, his body was just saying, no, this isn't happening for you anymore. So, my well, it is, is enough enough? Do we cut ties now? Well, we, we have to. I think Mourinho has been playing some politics with Rooney. It's starting to look like what Mourinho was doing, he was giving Rooney enough rope to hang himself with. Because when someone's that big of a figure at a club, and I remember the same, a similar sort of thing happened when Ronaldo first went to Real Madrid. I think Raul was still there. And there was a bit of an issue of moving Raul out the side to make room for Ronaldo. And that was still a bit of an issue. And it wasn't just a case of... And the same thing happened when Mourinho went to Real Madrid and, and he had Casillas there and he looked at Casillas and thought, no, this guy's not for me. He didn't just drop him immediately. He started phasing him out and you know, by basically allowing him to make mistakes, playing him knowing that he was going to make yeah. a mistake. I think Casillas was into his second Rooney. season when he got dropped under Mourinho. Yeah, but he was making mistakes before then. I mean, he was making a lot of mistakes in that second season, uh, but he started making them in, Mar- in, in Mourinho's first season there at Madrid, especially in the second half of Mourinho's first season. He was making a fair few errors, dropping a few clangers. And you have to remember as well that Casillas was an absolute favourite within the Madrid press as well. He had a lot of people involved in the likes of Marsa who were campaigning for him to start every game whereas Mourinho were, was kind of keeping him for maybe European games. And Mourinho, there are, there Mourinho are has some... that in television media now. You look at all the pundits and all the ex-pros, constantly. Yeah. You know, it's like they just, they, they've not watched Wayne Rooney in the last three years. Um, there's, there's, there's definitely similarities there between the media and Casillas and, and Rooney, you know, because... Rooney has his friends in, in the written press in England too, you know, being England captain and there was there was a an off the record meeting there at the end of last season where lots of stuff on Louis Van Gaal was revealed. So, you know, there's similarities there as well and I'm sure Mourinho after the way the Madrid turned there will be wary of that. Well, it always seems to be like on uh, Match of the Day too, um, the likes of Danny Murphy and uh, Trevor Sinclair, they seem to talk about changes <laughs> that need to take place within the United team and Rooney seems to be the name that can't be mentioned. It seems they'll they'll skirt around the issue, they'll they'll mention certain players coming into different positions, but Rooney is the name that they dare not mention. It's it's an English thing that as well about Eng- it's an English bias, I think, among those pundits is for sure. I mean I've got a column that's gonna be going up soon that I've written about um, how Rooney's sort of part of a trend, really, the way they stick up for him is a way that they always sort of show a preference for homegrown players over foreign players. I mean, no one in their right mind would honestly say Wayne Rooney's a better footballer than Juan Mata now. Not at all. No one would have said it three years ago, frankly. <laughs> but um, they still talk as if he is. Mata never gets yeah. that treatment. People always say about Mata, always oh, inconsistent. He doesn't do it here, he doesn't do it there. And I'm like, 
Well, I mean, Gary Neville did it with Ander Herrera as well. well in fairness, though, the, the argument there is Matt isn't consistent. You have times when, say, he performs brilliantly and then times that he's, he's off the pedal a small bit. But in Rooney's, in Rooney's side of the thing, he is consistent. He's consistently shit. Yeah, you but Rooney, Rooney always gets to play wherever he wants. It's never always... Yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. No, but the, the thing is that I'm agreeing because Rooney, Rooney being English and, and so on, like it, it's because of what the player he should have become, the player that he had potential to become. And I still don't think the English media are, are beyond that just yet. Um, I think it's going to take a bit more. Um, but then again, you ask, how much more do we need? We've seen this, this underperforming for three, perhaps four years of, of him performing um, as a below-average player. The last time, last, the last, yeah, the last time that I actually saw of Rooney probably at his peak would have been probably 2010-2011, um, that season where we regained the title back off Chelsea. Uh, he was he was on fire in that season, and you look back at But since then, he's kind of... The, the level of goals have dropped. The level of performances have dropped and the level of assists have also dropped. Um, just to play kind of devil's advocate on this issue, um, if he is to play, where would you play him? Mike, you can jump in with this one first. Uh, there's a really nice spot for him on the bench. <laughs> no, but if, 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 if he has to play, so, so it's League Cup, it's Europa League, whatever your preference is, when really has to start. Just somewhere where he can do as little harm as possible, really. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe at the the base of a six man midfield. Yeah, look, I'm going to say centre forward. I know he was poor against Northampton Town, um, but I think that's that's where Ray Rooney played the best peak, best part of his career, a centre forward. He's not a midfielder. He never has been. And any I talk, don't think he's got the pace to be a midfielder at the moment. I don't think he has the pace or the intelligence to be a centre forward either. You see, that, that's, that's the thing, we're constantly talking about shoehorning him into a formation. You, you see, like, the best part of his career is centre forward. It's, it's a role that he, he grew up playing as, as, as a forward man. I know at a time in his career he played in a three prolonged attack when Tevez and Ronaldo were there wide, uh, and left, but. He was a centre forward, um, and then there was talk in his late career that he could become kind of a, a scores type midfielder and drop back deeper and stuff. In theory, that was, you know, yeah. brilliant on the year, but it it's never happened. He, he doesn't look half the player Paul Scholes as or Paul Scholes did, and and as as a matter of fact, I actually reckon you bring Paul Scholes back at retirement again, and he'd still do a better job than Rooney in midfield. Well, I think they were what they were doing. They were trying to replicate what happened with Ryan Giggs. He was uh, changing from an attacker or a winger into kind of a more central position where he was able to kind of set up play that he wasn't uh, that he had that he was able to conserve more energy that he was able to kind of alter his play, but he was still able to affect a good result on the team. But whether that's due to the training that Ryan Giggs does or whether that's due to his fitness is another issue. Right, we're going to um, jump into the two previews we have this week briefly and just give simple kind of predictions and whatnot. Um, Thursday night in the Europa League with Soria Luhan, Luhansic, I think that's pronounced all right, 
Uh, not correct me. I know absolutely nothing about this side, uh, apart from being from Ukraine. I haven't done my homework, apart from a Polish journalist telling me they're Ukraine's Leicester City, which in the week we're having, that's good news. Um, Mike, should we go gung-ho with this with a strong side, or would you give a few young lads a, a run? No, we need to win. As simple as that. Um, you know, we... we I suppose the better question is, we need to show in this competition. Yeah, okay. I do care. We need to be winning a trophy. United have never won this trophy. This trophy still matters. We, I know we look down on it over here, but the rest of Europe, this is not a competition that he's looked down upon at all. And it is, it is, whatever you think about it, it's also guaranteed Champions League qualification to win this competition. That's what you get. And you it's get a, a trophy. Spot in the competition next year. Exactly. And uh, it's a big trophy. You know, um, it's the one trophy I think United have never won. Not well, won this competition, so um, I would like to win it as a point of pride, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what Mourinho does because you know he didn't seem to care about it, but I just wonder whether his professional pride at some point cuts in and he goes, right, that's enough of this now. Um, I want to win this competition. Do you care to enlighten us with some information about the Ukrainian side? Um, I know that they they're not playing they're not able to play at their home ground no, yeah. because of the unpleasantness that's going on with uh, with Russia at the moment that is as that is as far as I know you, you look you look at the draw we have final where fans were were told not to wear club colours outside the ground Ukraine which as you mentioned their where their base isn't isn't a very pleasant place at the moment and fucking Turkey. Yeah, Fenerbahce has always been um, a friendly place to visit, hasn't it? Do you know what, what, uh, It's got a nice, stable political situation at the moment as well, yeah. so it's a great destination. Yeah. But, um, yeah, do you want to enlighten us on any information about the Ukrainian side, Philip, or like me? Yeah, or, or, um, I think, uh, obviously, they would have been, up until a couple of years ago, I think they were operating on the, under a different name. They've changed uh, whether it's true ownership or whether it's true... Um, um, difficult, uh, different situations. They've uh, changed their name about 20 years ago. Um, they've actually only been playing in Europe, as in qualifying for uh, Europa League, I think only for the last maybe 10 years, if even less. They've got a couple of couple of decent-ish results. Uh, they seem to be, um, they seem to have got a good result against uh, Fenerbahce in the home game last time out they got a one all draw um, and but the thing is they're going to be very very defensive from what I've seen uh, from what I've been what, what I've been told about them and from the highlights that I've seen of them they're they're going to be going for a draw they're going to be sticking players behind the ball they're going to be frustrating uh, the midfield they're going to be um, they're going to be packing the defense just playing for set pieces, playing for a break, just see what they can get out of it. And if United aren't switched on, if they're not clued in from the very start, they could easily get bogged down, they could easily get frustrated. There's been a couple of fairly fairly poor results United actually have got against uh, similar type teams over the last couple of years. I'm just writing a column on it there at the moment. Um, some of the qualifiers there. Do you remember going back to two thousand and three? Valer, Valer, 
that Hungarian team that they played uh, in the qualifying, they lost 1-0 away to them. Yeah, briefly. Yeah, so um, unless unless the team is actually switched on from the start and unless they actually show the, some of the play and uh, some of the inspiration that they had on Saturday, um, they could easily got they could easily be caught cold and they can't afford it because uh, they can't they can't afford a draw they certainly can't afford a defeat they should really be going out uh, from the very start get an early goal and just look to blow them away Mike who would you be starting up front um oh that's a good question um is I think Mkhitaryan is he going to be fit now or um, if he is, I'd certainly play him. Um, I would probably play Martial and Rashford. I think that's is Rash is uh, Martial fit? Oh, God. They, they, they did say it wasn't as serious as initially feared, but um, Mourinho did say they were kind of taking out a team the weekend. Maybe that was a precaution. Okay, well, it it would certainly be a great opportunity for the likes of. Um, for Luke Shaw to get back some fitness, uh, for Martial to get some uh, fitness back, and certainly for Mkhitaryan to, to get some more game time. Whether or not, uh, whether or not they're going to play a couple of the younger players, maybe Timothy uh, Fosu Mensa might get a shout there as his more natural position of left back rather than right back because he kind of struggled there at times. I, I thought that against Northampton too. I, I thought he was a player that looked uncomfortable and looked player being played at a position. I thought, and I didn't know he was a left back. I thought he was a, a centre half. Um, and from watching bits of him last season, a role I'd like to see him play in is, is centre midfield. Um, I think he has the attributes to to perform in that role. Um, but also this week we face Stoke City. Um, on Sunday, obviously, Mark Hughes going through a bit of a difficult period at the moment for a United player. Um, do you reckon that they'll stay up, um, Mike? Or do you reckon this is the season where they could obviously sack Hughes and maybe go down? They've started quite slowly in the previous couple of seasons as well. Um, okay, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not inconceivable that they could go down. But um, the job he's done so far at Stoke before this season done quite well he's changed the the perception that they hold they're not they're not exactly a rugby team as, as Wenger um, nicknamed them under Pulis no they're not they're not and I think he's done a fantastic job um, Mark Hughes has never shown great longevity in his jobs uh, not always his fault but he hasn't um, I'd stick with him for now but I mean it depends what happens to the result on uh, on Sunday I mean it would be understandable if we gave him a bit of a hammering and they sat to him afterwards because, you know, there comes a point where it gets to a point where if your team's in trouble and you're the, the chief executive or the chairman of the club, you can sack a manager too late to really affect a change that is going to make a difference and, and save and save the team, which is what happened to Newcastle. Newcastle waited far too long to get rid of Steve McLaren. They should have got rid of him much, much earlier than they did. If they had it done, they'd have probably stayed up. Uh, but they didn't, um, so I think they'll have that in mind. There's, I, I think, I don't think they will go down, but they absolutely could. I don't think. I think what we've seen with Newcastle and with West Ham down here is that no team is is too good to go down. 
Your yeah, thoughts um, on, on Mark Hughes and Stoke this season, Philip? Yeah, I suppose the thing is, a lot of their key players seem to be going through a bit of an identity crisis. I mean, um, uh, former Red, uh, actually, uh, Ryan, Ryan Chalkrass, um, he was kind of built as the the, the big uh, kind of uh, new hope for uh, English defenders a couple of years ago, but he he really seems to be off his, uh, off his uh, mark this season. Um, I don't know what it is, uh, whether, whether it's due to kind of... Uh, harsher kind of um, restrictions on holding players in the box or whether it's that he's lost a touch of pace or whether um, just due to tactical issues but uh, they seem to be conceding a lot of goals and a lot of kind of uncharacteristic type goals I mean the goal that they allowed in against West Brom at the weekend in the very last minute that was a typical Stoke goal that they would have scored maybe five or six years ago. Just something to comment I want to make on this new kind of rule being enforced by the FA and referees about the, the pulling and grabbing the box and the, a penalty being awarded. And we've seen that happen last year with, with Chris Small and um, for United. I'm delighted that's brought in. Um, and it's an interesting point. We're kind of saying Leicester are now struggling defensively and perhaps Stoke too. Um, if you're a team that's struggling because of that, it's the least you fucking deserve. Um, they're dirty yeah, you're, tactics. You're, you're um, clearly getting away with it for yes, so long. Yeah, exactly. Um, a good defender doesn't need to do that. Um, and if 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 that is your if that is an excuse a manager wants to use, and the perfect point, Philip, that um, the reason some teams might be struggling in the league this season, but if that's their excuse, well, that's just not good enough. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate with that one. The Manu Vidic used to do it a lot. Pulling people's oh, yeah. shirts and pushing through the box. He was notorious for it and getting away with it as well. Look, yeah. the, 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 yeah. To be honest, they all, they all do it. Um, but the, the, the point I make, if, the, if that is the manager's excuse as to why his, his entire team are not working well defensively, um, that's an issue for his team, more so an issue of a new rule implemented by the DFA. Well, it's never like Mark Hughes to complain about officials, is it? Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. no. <laughs> exactly. He'd never yeah. ever do anything like that. He'd never blame officials for his team being beaten 3 or 4 nil ever. He's never moaned since he became a manager, has he? No. Very good. Um, just um, to conclude... It's kind of a, sorry, it was go kind ahead. Of a, sorry, I was going to say, it's kind of interesting the fact that um, if, if United beat um, Stoke at the weekend, that Mark Hughes could lose his job... The very same thing is actually um, kind of rumoured to happen at Swansea. If um, if Liverpool beat Swansea, they reckon that Giggs is going to be taking charge down at the Liberty. Oh, well, it's their relegation. Yeah. Uh, you were, that, you that's that's something you need to be very, very careful of. I think Solskjaer said that Ferguson recommended taking that Cardiff job at the time. Um, and with the whole thing with the owners at the time and, and casting reflection back on it, what was Ferguson thinking recommending that job? That job was never going to be a success for, for Solskjaer. Never. Yeah, no, it was just a disaster from the very get go. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, look, that's that. That's something I'm sure Giggs will speak to Ferguson. I'm sure he'll speak to a number of people who were in the game to see where it's a good decision to go to Swansea if if they do sack their manager at the weekend. Um, but before we wrap it up, um, Philip, can I get a a match or score line prediction for Stoke at the weekend? For Stoke the weekend, I reckon. Uh, I reckon three one. 
3-1 United and Mike? 4-1 uh, and will Rooney score one of those four goals, Mike? Certainly not. <laughs> Very Mike's, good. Uh, Mike he, may get a, he may get a cursory like six minutes on at the end again, like he did last week. But Mike I don't envision him off or something like that. <laughs> yeah, his big fat backside. Yeah. Can we get your Twitter for people to follow, Mike? Oh, my Twitter. Yes, it's uh, at Mike underscore Loudmouth. Um, it should be. I should have a column hopefully going out today so I'm sure you'll all see it good stuff and Philip yeah it's at uh, Philip E Morris Morris E without the Y so uh, for whatever reason when I was setting it up um, they wouldn't let me use uh, Philip Morrissey so um, they uh, it'll be under my column anyway because um, I'll be uh, popping one out there in, in a minute Alright, nice one. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast. It's going out on um, Audio Boom, it's going out on iTunes, and it's going out on YouTube too, because we have subscribers everywhere. So if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you give a comment in the comment section, like it, share it, and whatnot. Um, and make sure you subscribe to the iTunes as well to support the podcast and keep us going. That's the it t- for this week. The t- sorry, the title of the podcast is? The Stratycast. Stratycast. Yeah, and there'll, there'll be links in the YouTube description and, and whatnot. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Still Giggs goes. He's through. He's scored. Ryan Giggs. He's at the goal that's played for Manchester United. Right footed. It's a clear header. And it's in the left. Stoker has won the European Cup for Manchester United. Network.